Hi guys, Jack here. We are almost at the end of part one of Building Evelyn. And I wanted to ask you what do you think we could improve on part two? Please submit your feedback to me and I will do some shout outs on the next episode. You can submit your feedback by email, which is info at buildingevelyn.com or through a quick message on WhatsApp. Our number is 513-580-4595. Thank you so much for listening to my story. I appreciate your time. This production is a result of many sleepless nights, and I hope you enjoy as much as I do when I create it. To help keep this project alive, you can support us by buying some merch at our store or by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash buildingevelyn. You can join at any level, and by doing so, you access true facts about the story, our chapters for your reading pleasure, full-length version of this episode, and much more. You can cancel at any time, no hard feelings. Thank you so much to those that already support us and those who are considering the near future. It means the world to me. See you there. Previously on Building Evelyn. They wanted to get the word out, for they saw as much as Miss Josie did, that the fair was going to be super fun for them, and it would be really good if people came to help with fundraising to be able to buy the materials for building a church. The preparations were very exciting. Since the chapel was next door to Evelyn's house, she enjoyed watching everyone work together, especially the youth group. They got very involved and were the ones building the booths by decorating tall tables with fresh-cut coconut leaves. It was nice and smelled good, and the occasional hornet's nest made some of the girls and guys scream and run from the braids they were creating out of the leaves, which was funny to watch. Welcome to Building Evelyn. This dramatic story is based in true events, but written with a bit of fiction, showcasing Brazilian culture throughout the story. Some chapters are written by different writers, and each writer not only continues the story using real events and facts, but also puts their own twist on the previous writer's idea to keep the story moving. I am Jackie Passau, and this chapter was written by me. For ages, Evelyn's family was linked to the cultivation of caju and its derivative in the coastal side of the state of Piauí. Her great-grandparents settled in the region in the early 1920s, where they started to plant fruit trees, mostly caju and mango trees, 
when her great-grandfather was not working as a construction worker with some of his sons. Evelyn's grandmother, Miss Rose, was born around that same time. Miss Rose was born in a beautiful location. Their small farm was surrounded by white sand dunes, natural lagoons, and lots of trees and vegetation that you could only find in a tropical region. Her family was large, but that didn't bother her. She actually couldn't imagine life without the siblings, as each of them played a specific part in making their living. Together, they farmed their own food, planting beans, corn, and cassava, then harvesting it. They raised chicken for consumption and fished in the nearby bodies of water and incentivize neighbors to get to know the cultivation of cajou trees and its fruits, prioritizing the making of sweets and drinks from it. It was just natural that she met her husband in the neighborhood, doing the same things as they were both people of the land, living from the land. His name was John, and he became an orphan at age 15, when both his parents died from pneumonia and he was left in the care of the neighborhood priest. They met one day when she was passing by the church on her way to the lagoon to see whether or not her brothers had caught anything, when she noticed a group of people gathering around an older man who was telling stories. She approached the group curious to hear the story, and stood right by her future husband without knowing it. He turned to her and said the old man told stories daily on that spot, involving the past of the people of their village, like when a neighboring small village was buried by a sand dune and he watched the village disappear slowly. Rose smiled at John and continued her journey to the lagoon. The next time she had to go to the lagoon to collect the fish, John was there, just enjoying the day. He approached her brothers respectfully and introduced himself. The introduction became a conversation and the boys became friends. Later on, John asked his friends permission to approach Rose. When he did, she was welcoming, and their courtship started. Two years later, John, at age 19, married Rose, who was 17 years old at that time. Miss Rose's father gave her a small piece of land on the north side of the property. There, her father, along with John, built the newlyweds a humble house which was the house where Mary, Evelyn's mother, was born. Right after that, John joined and served in the army. When he returned, they were able to expand their property and their family, having children to help grow the farm and their livelihood. Their farm was a miniature copy of her father's, and she imitated many of the processes she followed as a kid. 
she and John farmed, and she taught the kids when they were as old as five to choose from proper variety of beans to plant, to maintain the plant's health while growing, and threshing beans after harvest. And just like when she grew up, each family member had their own task, but only the adults could fetch water from the well and things like that. Being a kid on the farm wasn't just work. The children would gather and enjoy the beautiful nature around them. They had a natural playground just outside their property line, and they certainly took advantage of it. They loved to collect shelves to make curtains and necklaces, but one of their favorite pastimes when not farming was spending time at the high sand dunes. They would slide down on a section of wood board and splash into the natural crystal clear water that collected as a pool at the bottom of the dune. They would keep at it for hours or just hanging out closer to the house under a nice shaded tree, eating its fruit until they would hear Miss Rose yelling for them to return to the farm. Miss Rose's life was simple and yet so interesting. She lived in the same house that she raised 17 children in and tried to make life interesting out of ordinary circumstances until the day she was kicked out of her own house by her husband John who accused her of cheating. When Miss Rose was told to leave her coastal fruit farm, she didn't have anywhere to go. She stayed at the home of one of her daughters until another daughter who was living in the state of Bahia at that time was needing help with childcare and invited her mother to come to stay for a while. She was fortunate enough to have money saved from the sale of the last cashew nut batch to buy the bus ticket. Having never traveled anywhere in her life besides going around the states to visit family, but never outside of it, she was super excited to see new places, but extremely nervous because she didn't know what to expect. With her little suitcase in hand, she headed to the bus station. The 30-plus hours of travel was new to her, but she was mesmerized by every place she passed by. Her first stop was the city of Fortaleza's biggest bus station to pick up more passengers. She exited to use the restroom, and soon enough, they were on their way. They stopped one more time later in the evening to use the restroom and eat but no access to bathing. They traveled through the night, and once the sun was out, Miss Rose awoke and watched the random vegetation and scattered houses out the window, one here and another many kilometers later, just like back home. She missed her home and the family she was forced to leave behind already. She cried thinking about her situation, her husband accusing her of cheating, saying the whole neighborhood was talking about her disgracing him. 
She never even thought about doing such a thing. She had no time to do it, and she respected her husband too much. When she arrived in Salvador, Miss Rose found the place to be so beautiful, and her granddaughter was a joy. In no time, her daughter felt Miss Rose was ready to babysit alone and was confident that leaving her home with her granddaughter would be just fine. Miss Rose's daughter and husband worked with fruits and vegetables. They would buy from small farmers and garden owners and sell it to the market where they had a stand and also sell to the bodegas. Back at the house, Miss Rose cared for the child. Andrea was her name. She was a healthy four-year-old who just loved to play soccer on the street with other children. Miss Rose was never exposed to sports and certainly never saw such a small girl like her granddaughter playing soccer so much. Andrea was just so fascinated with the game. Miss Rose watched the kids playing on the street most afternoons, and when Andrea played with the kids who were much older, she moved quite fast despite the fact she had such small legs. Once the sun had gone down and the shade covered the streets, people would start gathering in front of their houses to just sit outside and chat with one another. It was like something they did every evening, observing life on the street. When Andrea was old enough to attend school, Miss Rose got a part-time job cleaning at a small hotel not too far away from where they lived. She walked there every morning after dropping Andrea in school. There, she met Mr. Xavier, who was the maintenance person, and they became friends. With time, their friendship flourished, and they both started to have feelings for one another. Xavier knew Miss Rose was separated from her husband, and why she left him. So legally, she was still married, even though they were living hundreds of kilometers apart. They were separated after all, and he knew his lady was not going back to her former living arrangements anytime soon. So there were no issues for years. They eventually decided to move in together, and they had a simple life in the suburbs closer to the coast, which Miss Rose had always loved, having been born and raised by the beach her whole life. Unlike the people in the neighborhood who always seemed to gossip about one another's lives, Miss Rose always minded her own business. She loved growing their own veggies on the little bit of land they had, and every Saturday after work, she went and visited with her children, as at that time, three of her daughters and one of her sons were living in Salvador. Miss Rose's relationship with Mr. Xavier was good, and they stayed together for many years. 
all of the time spent away from part of her family was an amazing learning experience. After many years, she decided it was time to return for a visit. She was to stay with Mary and visit with all the family members in that city, like her sisters and all the daughters. She had no plans on going back to the coastal fruit farm where she came from. The first time Evelyn broke her arm climbing the wet kaju tree was 100% her fault. The whole time in a cast waiting for the arm to heal and the challenges of having it on in the first place was a reminder of her mistake. Tripping outside the cafeteria and rolling down a concrete staircase because someone intentionally placed their foot on her way was a totally different issue. When Evelyn realized what happened to her, she found herself at the bottom of the stairs, feeling a pain she recognized from the first time she had broken her arm. Two adults rushed to her, pushing the kids that gathered around out of the way, and one of them lifted her up and carried her to the complex's clinic. Evelyn's arm was in pain, but her whole body hurt this time. The clinic didn't have the proper personnel or tools to examine her arm, so the adults who were assisting Evelyn took her to see the family practitioner that not long ago helped Evelyn with her lice situation. Evelyn, what happened to you? The doctor asked, but Evelyn couldn't respond. She was scared and in pain and just started to cry. The adults who brought her in were cafeteria workers. They told the doctor they were outside the cafeteria taking their break when they witnessed the girl rolling down the staircase and eventually falling on top of her arm. And the two of them rushed to assist her. Can you please do me a favor and call the social worker here? Her office is at the end of the hall, to your right, once you exit this room. Evelyn was still crying, but the doctor examined her to evaluate if anything was broken. Once the social worker was notified, she ran towards the doctor's office and entered the room in a hurry. It looks like her left arm is broken, the doctor told the social worker as soon as he saw her. When Evelyn heard that, she burst into tears because that was her dominant arm, as the doctor proceeded. We could do the x-rays to be certain, but we don't have the capability to put a cast on if necessary. Evelyn needs to go to a hospital. The clinic couldn't help her, but they gave her medicine for the pain and put her arm in a sling. The social worker took Evelyn to her office, then went to her classroom to gather her belongings and talk to the teacher. Evelyn felt tired and very drowsy. She laid on the floor to rest for a bit until the lady came back. 
Minutes later, she was awakened by the lady calling her name. Evelyn, Evelyn, you need to go home and ask someone to take you to the hospital. Where do you live? Not far from here. Maybe 15 minutes walking. Evelyn was very sleepy and her body ached a bit as the lady helped her stand up. I will walk with you, the lady said. They left the school. Evelyn walked slowly with the lady, holding her bag. When they got to the entrance of the favela, the lady froze and placed her hand on Evelyn's shoulder, who was walking in front of her as to guide the way. Evelyn, I won't go beyond here. My grandmother's house, it's on the other end. We will be there soon, Evelyn explained. The social worker placed the crossbody bag on Evelyn, pushed her forward, turned around, and walked in the opposite direction back to school. The bag was heavy, and the strap was on top of the sling, making it very difficult to walk as it rubbed on her broken wrist. People watched Evelyn go by, but didn't help. Slowly, she saw Nazareth's house approaching, and remembered she was really thirsty, and decided to stop there to see if anybody was home. When she pushed the gate to enter, head to patreon.com slash building Evelyn to resume listening. Building Evelyn original story, narration, and production by Jackie Pesal. Music by Clark James. You can listen to his amazing music on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. To learn more, visit clarkjamespiano.com or find him on Facebook or Amazon. I hope you find this podcast entertaining. If you are interested in contributing a song or to write the next chapter of the story, send us a message at info at buildingevelyn.com and we will consider featuring it. If you want to get in touch with us, find us on WhatsApp at 513-580-4595. For those who love to read, our chapters are now available at patreon.com slash buildingevelyn. To listen to previous chapters and not to miss the next one, subscribe on your favorite podcast player, our YouTube channel, or head over to our website, buildingevelyn.com. That is B-L-D-G-E-V-E-L-Y-N.com. And while you are there, consider clicking the donate link. That would be so nice of you.